0: Hi, my name's Tina Waldron. Welcome to the podcast, and I hope you love it and share it with others. This podcast is all about evangelism and mission, sharing Jesus in natural ways, in ways that we can all do. I interview people right across Australia and also overseas to hear what's working and how that ultimately applies to our lives, no matter who we are. Some weeks I jump on and do a little teaching myself. I hope it's helpful for you. Don't forget to check out our other free resources on our website. Now, let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win-Win Evangelism podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum from Evangelism in Australia. Today I'm speaking with Terry Walling, who is the president of Leader Breakthrough and the author of many books. His most recent book uh, that I want to engage with today is called Unlikely Nomads in Search of the New Church. Welcome to you, Terry.
1: Hey, nice to be here. Good to be uh Get at home again with a familiar accent and everything like that. So, uh, Robert and I long to be in Aussie, so it's great to be with you.
0: Fantastic to have you, Terry. So, you're in California right now, but that brings me to my first question. You actually have been in Australia and lived here. What were you doing in Australia?
1: Well, that was a big question by somebody, but uh, bottom line is we had come over to try to do everything we could to help uh, some local churches, pastors. Uh, Figure out how to actually um, continue to develop missional ministry, reach out, and especially do that with um, training leaders, developing really the personal life of leaders, and actually then taking that into the church and seeing renewal, and hopefully with the church uh, headed back out into the streets. So, some great times together, some great people and uh, spent focused in Melbourne but was around to all the capital cities so
0: yeah, wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Leader Breakthrough is the ministry that you head, the organization that you head, and you have worked for decades with leaders. And I love the fact that this new book, which is about in search of the new churches, come from so much time with those leaders, which we're going to talk about at length. But first of all, what does Leader Breakthrough do? Tell us about the ministry overall. Well, I found out that
1: a lot of people who are trying to advance the church sometimes don't get the resources. And through my pastoral experience, so I have 14 years pastoral experience, then over 20 years of working alongside pastors and leaders, um, I began to realize that uh, it's not really an issue of knowledge, it's an issue of transformation that occurs, and that best happens when individuals are given a chance to actually enter into a coaching relationship, so what Leader Breakthrough does is it blends leadership development with coaching. There's a lot of good coaching out there, but I found if you wed together how God's at shape uh, or how God's at work shaping a leader with coaching, all of a sudden this stuff moves from just information to transformation. It moves beyond just belief to behavior. So, what Leader Breakthrough does is basically one coach the development of leaders, and then I train. We train a lot of coaches to do that very thing, and we offer processes in personal development as well as um, resources in the area of coaching itself. Um, I'm not too smart, so the one key thing I learned after five years of ministering down under, and it has had direct uh, application to America, is that personal renewal precedes and leads to corporate change. A lot of people think the church needs to change but they start in the wrong place. Instead of starting with those who are attending and their journeys and getting them a chance to reencounter Jesus, they start with the organization trying to make it better and what ends up happening it polarizes the situation. So I'm fo- we're focused on the leadership development of those who are taking a risk to advance the church, and do everything we can to help coach uh, renewal into their lives. How about that? Huh? (laughs) That was a quick fire hose right there.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely perfect. And that is... You 100%, your book, Stuck, which many people may have heard about that are listening to this episode, is I've given that book to at least 15 people, Terry. It's a a fantastic resource.
1: I owe you a cut or something, some (laughs) kind of remuneration.
0: (laughs) What is significant is the fact that we've come through COVID We've come out on the other side and many people, many church leaders and people attending congregations are feeling unsettled. There is a a shift in people, but having read your book, which really gives language to a lot of personally things that I have felt, and many that have read the book are saying the same. This was already happening before COVID. COVID has kind of highlighted this. And in your book, you start to kind of share a little bit about through the people you're coaching, you'd started to notice a bit of an unrest. Let's talk about that.
1: Sure. Uh, Having coached leaders from all over the world, but a lot of uh, people who were doing ministry and mission in the US, I began to hear actually about 10 years ago, a discontent was going on and I would call it a holy discontent, not a discontent, to, you know, there's situations where people just tearing down the church or whatever. No, a discontent that the things that used to work aren't working. The things that actually we did to, to draw people in, people weren't coming anymore. The whole kind of uh, way, the paradigm by which we approached church was working. And I also was feeling, especially in the U.S., this gradual polarization that was beginning to happen, where all of a sudden there was, instead of people coming together, it was people pulling apart, defending their opinion, as opposed to trying to find some common ground. And so I was hearing that for quite a while, and I just kind of chalked it up and said, well, this is a a difficult spell. Till we hit COVID, and in the U.S., preceding that was the electoral um, challenges that we had with our presidential election and everything like that. And when that happened, all of a sudden I began to realize something more is happening than just a rough moment in time. And I began to realize, and actually, Tennessee, come together, the work I'd done on personal transitions and the work it, it seemed like God was doing in an overall transition, Uh, a transition, not just in our individual lives, but a transition in the church itself. Did a lot of work, a lot of study, Uh, Lord, what is this? What's going on? And then had that incredible moment, at least here in the U.S. when they, you know, my whole life, my mom was always badgering me, go to church. And for the first time in my life, I was told, stay home. (laughs) And I went, Okay, what really is going on here? And part of the research that I did, I, I hit a, a, a gal named Phyllis Tickle. I didn't hit her, but I ran into her in terms of, of her work. Uh, She's written a book called The Great Emergence. She began to tell of 500-year cycles of the church, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, Tina. The reason in this is so hard right now is because this is different we are in a time of major transition. Here's my easy definition of transition. You know, you can't go back to where you've been, but you don't know where you're going. Mm. And a transition is an in-between time where God actually does some of his most significant work. And in a transition, all of a sudden, he starts to sort us out, return us back to purpose, give us an understanding of what it is the future might look like and starts getting us ready to head out on a journey forward. So all of this happened for me and um, I believe a lot of people during that whole period of time of the COVID, the shutdown and everything. So that when they came back, they're different. The things that actually were happening earlier are now no longer part of potentially what God wants to do in the future, and yet most of the church tried to hurry back and go back to where we were instead of begin to actually I think get a bigger picture of a new place God could be taking us, yeah, how about I'll stop there and and <sighs> and breathe and let you let you come in on that,
0: yeah, oh gosh, yes. 100 percent. You have articulate this so extremely well in the book. I think I'm going to give this book to a lot of people as well, Terry. But (laughs) what was so very helpful for me was the analogy that you used in your book of new vineyards. You live in Northern California and you talk about yourself and your wife visiting some new vineyards. Share that analogy because that really landed for me, really hit home. Yeah, I I think
1: sometimes we get so situational in other words we're so uh, enamored with living our current life that we forget to to understand the fact there's more going on i mean one of the ways i say it kind of technically is we live situationally but god calls us to live sovereignly he calls us to see it from his point of view versus our analysis kind of deal so anyways What happens to us is we just happen to be a few hours from Napa, which just happens to be known as wine country. And so one of the excursions uh, one time that Robin and I took uh, in kind of the back hills of Napa, I began to see, oh, my goodness. I mean, I've been in this area. I have been on our coast up here in Northern California, but I haven't been in this area. And I haven't seen the hundreds of new vineyards that have actually come into existence even in the last few years because of the explosion of the wine industry, but also just because it is actually land that's opened up to be used and actually plant these new vines. And these vines now were starting to get older so you could see that these vines now were starting to produce the grape that they would actually begin to use for the wine. And so there's not only just new vineyards, there's just these new tasting stations everywhere. It's heaven almost, if you like that. But bottom line is they're everywhere. And I began to realize, you know, there's been a lot going on, but many people haven't seen it because they've been so tunneled down into their current situation. Could it be that Jesus is producing now new wine from new vineyards he planted in these few years where we thought in some sense kind of all was lost and how where's the world going and everything? Maybe behind the scenes, he's fulfilling that promise when he said, I will build my church. And he is actually fulfilling his promise because you remember, Tina, he said to us, You will only need new wineskins when there's new wine. Oh, my goodness. There's new wine. Oh, man. Maybe that means it's also a signal that we need to start rethinking the church that we've built, a church that we attend, as opposed to a church where we apprentice a church where we actually learn more how to live out the behaviors of Jesus versus a church where we learn how to act appropriately uh, when we go to church. That whole time gave me a picture of the fact that not only are new things happening, but new wine is now upon us. And we've got to actually believe Jesus and follow him to the new place and understand that it might mean new forms.
0: Yes, and it's so uncomfortable, before I ask my next question, because so many people that I chat with, Terry, the question is, so what is the new form? And people are looking for the a methodology or a, a formula which is, is not where everything is going. We're in this transition, and we're not saying we just throw everything out we're not saying that and that's what i appreciate about your book that's why i think it's 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 just written so wisely i think this is why it will be so embraced by so many you do talk about bridge churches and i want to talk about that because it it lends so much affirmation to the churches that we that we know and that are in place so What's a bridge church, and what's the place in this new wine, so to speak? Yeah, well, I call a,
1: a, a bridge church as one who actually has recognized that Jesus is doing something new. Now, a bridging church is a church that stands in between where we are and ultimately where we're headed. And I think I think it's important for us to say. Now, I'm sure this, I mean, I've been to Australia, so I know you have this problem, too, but I'm sure it's not any of your listeners. One of the problems we have sometimes uh, as the church is that we love to be in control. And we love to actually know the model. And we love to actually have it all figured out. And then we love to actually plan it out and strategize it out and everything. That's the Western mindset. But I think right now we're in an Abrahamic transition, meaning this, just like God said to Abraham, pack your bags. And Abraham asked back, where are we going? Abraham didn't get the answer. Abraham heard the Lord say again, pack your bags. I think Jesus is is very much coming in and actually taking control of his church back. But I do think what happens is sometimes we say, I'll go if you tell me where I'm going to go. A bridging church says, Jesus is at work, and we're going to do everything we can to help ready people for that work and give them new experiences that could be tied to potentially where he's leading. But nobody knows the model yet. (laughs) and nobody knows exactly what it's going to look like and you know what that causes two things trust and dependency Mm. but what the bridging churches do is help people actually begin to experience where god might be at work so that we can learn more how he wants us to be at work See, we, we've come out of this 40-year era that all of a sudden, America, we're great at this. We, we have packaged and sold Aussies and everyone else the bill of goods that this is the next greatest model. Well, I, I think that gig is up. No, this isn't model-driven. Get, get ready for this. This is obedience-driven. We're an obedience check. Do we want him more than we want the form? Do we want to actually follow more than we want to lead? Do we actually want to be his people again and look like him? Or do we want people to look like us? Ding, 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 ding. I know I'm sending off siren bells everywhere with all of this, but I think you know like in John 10 my sheep hear my voice notice they hear a lot of people hear his voice but notice also it says they follow bridging churches say we don't know where we're going <laughs> but we know he is out leading mm. so they build help build bridges into the future yep that makes sense
0: It absolutely does make sense, Terry. And it is all of that. It's quite a painful journey. I I sometimes find myself thinking, oh, I just want to do this or I want to engage with this. And I feel the Lord say to me, you're just going back to what I told you not to go back. And I'm like, yeah, but I need something concrete. (laughs) That's the struggle within, I think, of what's going on.
1: That's it. A lot of people are actually good people. They love Jesus. They've served his church. They've been a part of it. And honestly, Tina, this was what was the hardest thing for me. Because I spent 30 years of my life trying to help revitalize the current expression of the local church. And when Jesus actually said to me, what if I want to do a new work? Can I have my church back? It was one of the most painful things I ever went through. And to be honest with you, I'm not done Mm. because I love to actually know where I'm going. (laughs) And so many times I take these baby steps forward only to take some leaps back and having to actually ask the Lord again. Yeah, I'm doing the old thing again. No, I surrender. Help me follow you. It's not, I'm not talking about a mystical journey here. Here's the thing I really believed in. it. He wants us to know where we're going even more than we want to know. One of the things that happens to people like you and I who love Jesus is that we would much rather sometimes be able to understand where we're going than to accept the challenge to go to a place we've Never been. But here's the truth to all your listeners. We are going to a place and an expression of the church where we have never been. And how do you then do it, Terry? You behave your way into the future. You don't think your way into the future. Yeah. I'm not saying kiss your brains goodbye, but what I am saying is we've got to by step by step through obedience. Behave our way into the new,
0: yeah, and you said that so beautifully in the book itself as well. Let me ask you one final question quickly. You're attending a church that is more uh congruent to everything that you're saying, so tell us about this church and it is it's in Pennsylvania, you're in California
1: I'm in california, it's in Pennsylvania a lot of your listeners just click turned us off <laughs> but before they maybe before they do I found a, a friend and even attended and spent some time helping train but in Pennsylvania there's a church Calvary Church it's led by a guy named Dan Nold and it is a bridging church they have a passion to help move their people back out into the community. And not build a Sunday centric kind of church. They have a great Sunday. That's not that they don't. But Dan actually teaches and feeds Robin and I, and actually is teaching us, and we are discovering together with them what it means to truly be people who are the church out in our neighborhood. I'm not talking about it turning our neighbors into evangelistic projects. I'm not talking about going after, you know, people and then hiding in the four walls. No, a church without walls. Being the church in our, our neighborhood here on this street in which Robin and I live and actually uh, periodically getting good food, through the word and teaching from him so that we can stay out there and live for him. And all of a sudden, loving my neighbor has actually turned into something that we do versus a creed that I say. And my life now is lived and I'm learning. And a lot of people probably won't understand this with non-Christians, who Jesus really is. It's exciting. But to be honest with you, I I struggled finding it near. Now, I have accountability. I meet with some people who, and we meet with some people who check our walks and everything like that that's local. But I get, and really, we are a part of what Calvary's doing in Pennsylvania. How about that, huh? <laughs>
0: yep it's new it's all new (laughs) it is new (laughs) this has been a fascinating it's
1: it is totally new and i would have said years ago that's not possible yeah guess what all things are new Mm -hmm. yep and if i could say one more final word if this has touched your heart in that You don't feel like you fit in the local church anymore, but you still are passionate about Jesus. Don't give up. As unlikely as it is, you're a nomad that Jesus wants to use as he moves the church into the future.
0: Well, this has been a fascinating discussion. Terry, it's been my great privilege and honor to interview you. I want to encourage you today to go to Leader Breakthrough, but the through part of this word is spelt THRU. So Break thru dot And there you can go stay connected to Terry and also check out the new book, which is just incredible, unlikely nomads in search of the new church. It is worth your time. Terry, thank you so much for your time. It's been incredible.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I trust it's been helpful for you. Hey, don't forget to check out our free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. Hope it's a blessing to you. See you next week.